on climate change. Brought to you by Hip Hop Caucuses. Think 100%. It's easier to feel the injustice in our society today when we look at what happened in the wake of the George Floyd murder and then saw the outpouring of support to really tackle the vestiges of racial injustice in this country. But justice ultimately means, I think, that uh, we build a fair and equitable society. That's John Podesta, the former top advisor to President Clinton and Obama, the founder and member of the Board of Directors for the Center for American Progress and advisory board member for Clint Power 2020. He is our guest today, and I am Rev Yearwood, your host of The Coolest Show. Well, I'm excited. Actually, let's get back to this original. Uh, so, so John, I, I, how are you doing? I am feeling really good. <laughs> I think that uh, we've got a lot of opportunity. Uh, the race has been called. Uh, you know, we're talking just as Georgia was called for a Democrat for for the first time since 1992 when Bill Clinton won won the state. Uh, he won Arizona. Uh, we elected the first woman of color to be vice president. So things are good. We could have done a little better down ballot, but we still got some opportunity on January 5th in Georgia to bring two more Democratic senators uh, to Washington. And and we, one way or the other, we're going to get a lot done. Well, we're going to get into that. I'm just happy to see you. Look good. <laughs> it could be winning does well, huh? Winning, winning improves my spirits. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I complain about is I haven't seen my kids and grandkids since February. <laughs> oh man, yeah, no, well, that's part of what we need to get into. But for those who are tuning in, I have my dear friend John Podesta, and he is the founder and member of the Board of Directors for the Center for American Progress. Uh, John Podesta served as counselor to President Barack Obama, where he was responsible for coordinating the Adventures Climate Policy, and other programs and initiatives. In 2008, he served as co-chair of President Obama's transition team. He was a member of the UN Secretary General's high-level panel um, of eminent persons on the post-2015 uh, development uh, agenda. John Podesta previously served as White House Chief of Staff to President uh, William J. Clinton and he chaired Hillary Clinton's campaign for president in 2016. But with all that being said, you know, John, I have to ask this question. For those, besides all that busy work and, and helping our country from a better place, who is John Podesta? Uh, I'm a, you know, working class kid from the northwest side of Chicago. I had a lot of luck. Got to work for two great presidents in the White House. Happily married for 42 years. Have three grown children, two grandchildren. Uh, but I've been an activist all my life. Uh, started working in politics in 1968 uh, and have been doing it ever since because I think, you know, progressives can lead the country to a better place. And I like to fight with conservatives. 
So that you do. That you do. You may not know this. You know, I was a White House intern. When was that? Oh, in 92. In 92. Well, actually, in 93 to be, to be. Yeah, when, at the beginning of Clinton. Yeah. That's great. I'm surprised we didn't, uh, you know, we've seen each other many times since. I'm not sure we saw each other in the White House. I, I was an intern, so they probably, you know. <laughs> <laughs> it was just, I was just there, uh, but no, it, it was great. And actually, you know, it was funny because um, seeing how far and seeing how important that time was, um, and seeing where you are now, I guess the one thing that was that's been consistent is justice and environmental justice. And so, having that legacy. Um, what does justice mean to you? And particularly, what does environmental justice mean to you? Yeah, well, uh, look, uh, I think it's easy to, easier to feel the injustice in our society today when we look at what, what happened in the wake of the George Floyd uh, murder and then saw the outpouring of uh, support to really tackle the vestiges of racial injustice in this country. But justice ultimately means, I think, that uh, we build a fair and equitable society where everybody, like me, who you know started off, my father didn't go to high school. He worked in a factory all his life, uh, but had a great opportunity. We, I want to see that for everybody so that they can lead a decent life. Uh, and environmental justice in particular means beyond uh, just the material side of life, that they breathe clean air, that they uh, drink clean water, that they have access to healthy food. And for too long, our country has been stacked against people of color, um, Native American communities, frontline communities, where uh, the legacy of building industrial production and pollution of factories has uh, poisoned uh the air and the ground and the water and without regard uh, to the people who are living there. So uh, I think there's uh, a long legacy of people in those communities fighting for a more just and clean environment. And uh, I think that right now, combined with climate change, uh, means that we got to make the right kind of investments to lift people up so that they both have the chance for economic success, but they're living in a in a in a healthy place, and their and their children are are growing up in a way that uh, gives them, um, as I said, the chance to lead good lives. No, I agree with you. Thank you for bringing up George Floyd, and many of the people listening will you know you know Breonna Taylor, Ahmaud Arbery, and so many yeah. this year who. Uh, and, and connecting that with justice, because I think that's something that is very important to everybody. I don't, you know, truly, if you're human, that should be that should that should matter. This is not even a, a black or white issue; it's about this humanity, about how we treat one another. Um, yeah, know- you know, you take it, Reverend. You take it beyond our borders because the people across the globe who contribute the least to the environmental problems that we we see, particularly climate change are the people who get hit the hardest. Mm-hmm. They're the people who, uh, you know, are living on the, in the most fragile uh, parts of the, of the world. And, and whether it's extreme weather or drought or famine or 
uh, sea level rise or whatever, they're living marginally already. Uh, and as I say, they contribute the least to the problem. And the irony is they get hit the hardest. So I think as we're thinking about justice in the U.S., we also have to think about it um, from the perspective of uh, people around the, around the world. Yeah, no, that's, that's, that's very important. And I think that the more that we can do that, the better it will be for us. Um, talk about climate. Um, you know, I know you were excited. I mean, I've never, we, we, we clearly have never seen climate used um, in a campaign as we saw with Biden-Harris. That, for me, obviously, as an environmentalist, yeah. I got to tell you, I was, you know, I can't do cartwheels, but I could do cartwheels. I would have I did a cartwheel. <laughs> um, but it was exciting to see that. Um, and, but there's a long way to go. So now that we've gone from candidate uh, Biden-Harris to now uh, president and vice president-elect Biden-Harris, um, what, what, are your, what are your thoughts about get, where we go from here, the first 100 days? And to be honest, we're dealing with a movement has a tremendous amount of anxiety because of the obvious realities of science that is barreling down. So how do we how how do we kind of temper the emotions, but then also how do we have this serious urgency of now to get done what we need to get done? And then also how do we do for a mess we'll be walking into post um, post Trump? Yeah. Well that's a lot of that's a lot of big questions. And I, I think that we should take a moment to celebrate the fact that uh, climate change was front and center. It was front and center as part of the story about how we rebuild the economy, how we avoid the, the catastrophic impacts that are really right on us that we're seeing uh, today in North Carolina with the flooding and the, uh, the flooding in Louisiana from this uh, longest, uh, most maybe not most intense, but longest hurricane season uh, in history, we're seeing it in the fires in the in the West. Of uh, the uh, uh, there was a week in September where the three of the top ten most polluted cities in the in the world were on the West Coast. Portland was the most polluted city in the world. I mean, I don't know, you know, how many of your listeners have been to Portland, but it's a green city. But yet, the, that effect of climate change is really bearing down on us. We got to uh, transform the economy um, in a way that's never been seen in human history, to move from fossil fuels to clean energy. We got to do that. We got to go to uh, a system where we are, you know, to, to use the expression that, that uh, the vice president, that president-elect, got to stop changing my nomenclature for the for <laughs> President-elect Biden and uh, Vice President-elect Harris have said, we got to get to net zero. That means we're, we're taking as much carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere as we're putting into it by 2050. That's an audacious goal, but it's one that's filled with hope and opportunity too, to put people, put people to work, building new industries um, uh, and transforming our economy that runs on dirty fossil fuel to one that's uh, being powered by clean energy, and what is he? What is what do they need to do in the in the first hundred days? I think they laid out a blueprint to that uh, during the course of the summer when mm-hmm. Vice President Biden put down the policy that uh, he wanted to pursue. It was full of investment in including 
making sure that 40% of that investment, whether that was on on power, on manufacturing, on uh, on uh, transportation, on uh, electrification of uh, cars and light duty trucks, uh, electrification of transit, of electric buses, all that work, uh, more efficient buildings, uh, again, can put a lot of people to work. But he laid that out, and now he's got a challenge, which is, I think, that would have been a lot easier with a solid Democratic control of the Senate. But we still have, at least for the next, uh, you know, six or so weeks, I got maybe seven weeks, till now, between now and, and January 5th, and particularly between now and December 7th, when people in Georgia can still register to vote, uh, we got to concentrate on at least having a working majority in the Senate. If, if they don't have it, that doesn't mean they give up. They still have to press ahead with doing everything they can in each of those sectors uh, to, to uh, use the whole of the United States government to get on the right side with the people to make sure uh, that they are pursuing policies that'll produce that kind of change. Hmm. But that is, that is uh, you know, momentous change, never happened. Uh, but I think that they understand the magnitude of it and they, ex- they really understand the threat of not doing that, the threat to security, the th- threat to human security. So I think they're all in on this. And they got to start by building a, a, a team at the, at the cabinet level, but also in the White House that is strategic, that builds a, a, a plan to get that job done, that directs the federal money, federal uh, standards, federal uh, support, working with state and local communities, working with the private sector to, uh, you know, really unleash the innovation that can come from that clean energy economy. You've been through a number of first 100 days yeah. um, in, in your time. Um, so I guess knowing the climate, um, how would you advise this administration to do what you just said, particularly in getting to that, that clean energy 1% goal long term of 2050? But I think even now looking at it from the standpoint that this administration is not coming into office with a running start that they're coming into office with the EPA that has rolled back literally literally 100 plus regulations, methane, mercury, car standards, clean energy rule. They're coming into an administration where they literally understaffed from interior energy, FERC, you, you name it. They, they, they're coming into a situation where they have to literally not just get in the car, and drive, but literally buy tires, get a steering wheel, right. and, get a, and get a driver's seat to, to even get the car moving because it's been so badly damaged. And on top of that, have activists like, like me <laughs> who are going to be pushing them to say, hey, you know, we don't want what we had in 2010. We don't want what we had with the Marky Waxman process. We don't want that. We, we, we want things to go through. So how would you, I mean, that's a lot for anybody. I mean, I mean, this it's going to be a task upon, upon it. And we're still in a pandemic. Yeah, plus in a brutal, uh, in a brutal pandemic. And I think, uh, you know, they're already getting going. The transition is up, notwithstanding Trump's refusal to concede. 
I think the the first thing they need to do to get the economy going again is get the health is get the health crisis and the COVID crisis under control by listening to science. They put together a terrific team that is now laying out a seven part plan on COVID. Thankfully, we got some good news on the on the vaccine front, but execution against that making sure that that's fairly distributed, that in fact, that this is going to work, maybe other vaccines coming along behind it that can work, uh, that it's fairly distributed is key to getting the economy working. Hmm. But they also have to make good on those promises uh, to make the investments that, again, that they talked about. And I think that if you look at where there's great opportunity uh, to go beyond and cr- and create literally millions of jobs, it's in this space. And they have to keep that top of mind. They have to build the White House and the agencies who can execute against a strategic plan. So my first piece of advice to them was get the structure right, get the accountability right, and get the strategy right. Those things all go together. And then um, uh, have the people there who not only start with ambition, but understand that that success breeds ambition and takes you further. And when people see that that uh, this is real, that they're, that uh, whether you're building offshore wind in uh, in Texas or you're dealing with supply chains in the Midwest to build electric vehicles or you're putting electric buses on the ground in Los Angeles, real things are happening and people are going to work doing those things uh, at every level of, you know, of uh, skill and education, that there's a future uh, in it for people. And, you know, I think you can tell a story, you can, uh, you can show success, you can remain committed. Uh, And again, I think you've got to bring it back to another essential promise that this is also about building a just and equitable economy. Mm. So when it comes to labor standards, wages, prevailing wage, uh, the ability to organize, those investments that are going to distressed communities, concentrating on uh, bringing help to people who need it the most, uh, they got to keep all that top of mind. That's a lot of moving parts. Um, So they, they really have to have a team that uh, can execute. And, you know, I think we think of 100 days because of Roosevelt. As, yeah. and, and I think that's the way Obama thought about it, as legislate, legislate, legislate. And that's key. They got to get some key things done there, extend the uh, clean energy tax credits, maybe a big green infrastructure bill, money for, uh, you know, for um, building efficiency, for uh, lie heap and these other things. I think they can. I think they can get that. Even if Mitch McConnell's in the Senate, they can get some of that. Not as ambitious as maybe with the Democrats in control, but they can get some of that. But um, it's not the first hundred days. Isn't just about legislation. It's about building a team that can really execute because they got a lot of power. They've got two million people who work in the federal government. Put them to work doing something that they believe in instead of you know 
banging them every day, driving down the morale, driving out the scientists uh, from the from the administration. Give them a mission, uh, you know, build up a, 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 a sense of mission, put young people to work uh, in the climate core that uh, Biden talked about in the campaign. I, I think that's what gets people, you know, invested. It gets gives them hope. And uh, I'm looking forward to, to, to seeing them do that. And I think, um, you know, after the after she stopped running for president, uh, Senator Harris came back, put a very important climate justice bill in in the Senate. I hope that uh, she remains uh, central to the effort uh, to move that forward. I'm sure she'll have a broad uh, base of like Biden did for Obama, she'll have a broad base of uh, advice to give. Uh, but I think uh, we need her out there too. We need her voice. We need her strength. Um, and uh, and she has something else, maybe even more than Biden does, which is uh, based on her work as attorney general, she knows how to go after the bad guys. <laughs> you know, She had a pretty good record about uh, trying to go after the polluters when she was attorney general in California. So I hope that working with the Justice Department and with the new offices on environmental justice that they've pledged to create in the Council on Environmental Quality, they'll put a real focus on enforcement, on making on making people who are poisoning our planet pay for it. No, I think what you said there is is very is great advice. And you know, earlier on on the show, we actually had um, uh, Congress Chairman. Verhoeven and Congressman um, McEachin on, and they were talking about their bill, which parallels the bill that she had with uh, uh, yeah. Senator Baldwin and uh, Senator Booker and herself on that side. So we, we're hoping- know, they've been great leaders. <laughs> they, but they are both great leaders, uh, and a bunch of those uh, provisions they had in their uh, in their legislation, their standalone bill, got put into the Heroes Act, of course. Uh, uh, the Senate Republicans continue to resist that, but hopefully we'll get we'll get some progress. And and uh, whether that's cleaning up w- the water supply or working on this building efficiency, working on housing, the the working on toxics, I think uh, they're two of my heroes. I gotta say. Yeah, no, we 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 we, we appreciate from our standpoint of environmental justice that lens. I guess so. Let me, so you, you were inside. So if you're inside, this asked you the hypothetical. If you were inside, uh, you were advising uh, Biden Harris, and you just did that. So now I just I'm gonna grab you, put on your little top hat, give you a little overcoat, take you outside from the suites to the streets. And so if I, if, if I asked you to then talk to folks uh, out there, and we have a precarious little group right now. We have folks from the large environmental movements, from you know. LCV and uh, Greenpeace and NRDC. We have folks like, uh, you know, that the new groups coming up like Sunrise and Justice Democrats and 350, folks like us, Hip Hop Caucus. So I guess would you just kind of get the same speech and say, this is what I just told them in the inside how I advised um, Biden, ditto? And, and what, or what would you add to that so that our little are grouping outside and with, with now with, you know, with the labor union, all of us, all of us outside so, so that we can all yeah. keep the peace. So I'd say we ride together. And I think for too long, a lot of the environmental movement didn't understand that. 
uh, and there was a lot of uh, animosity actually between the environmental justice movement and big the big green groups. Uh, Center for American Progress played a role with um, uh, with other some of the other big national green groups to create the Equitable and Just Climate Forum, which uh, brought together a lot of the environmental justice elders and uh, new activists to try to create a, a forum and a platform uh, that that really focused on the intersection of justice, climate, um, uh, the and building back in a way uh, that respected uh, the communities that that, as I said earlier, had been the dumping grounds for pollution for so long, and our brothers and sisters in the labor movement have to be part of that. They have to, they have to have a transition to the work that can be uh, high wage, uh, organized work that will provide, you know, a good livelihood for uh, for uh, people going forward. Um, but we have to be in the bus together, <laughs> and we can't. Um, we we got to understand this is not a, a stovepipe project. It is a project of mm. building of building solidarity for a real. What do you mean? When you, what I mean, you it's mean when you, you know, it's 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 uh, it's not just can we get a clean power plan rule done or can we uh, you know can we you know lean on the administration to improve uh, fuel efficiency. It's about building a, an economy that's going to work for everybody in a just and equitable way. And it's going to tackle these related problems uh, to build cleaner and healthier communities while we're tackling the climate crisis. And if we do that in solidarity with a kind of progressive lens uh, and hopefully bring along uh, a few sensible Republicans who want to listen to the science as well, then we can get the job done. And if we split up and we kind of fight with each other and uh, and don't respect and don't listen uh, to to each other, then I think uh, we'll we'll divide and we will be conquered. We need to stick together, I think, in solidarity uh, to push forward for uh, for those changes that are focused on on the environment and climate, but are really about a project that's building a healthier society and a more just and equitable economy. No, I like how you put that. And while you're outside here. <laughs> and can I say one more thing? No, I, I think one of the things that changed oh, the politics of climate, you know, if you look at where Biden was at the beginning of the primaries and where he ended up, uh, I think the youth activism made a, made a huge difference. You know, oh, it, it, the, the, the fact yeah. that, that for Democratic voters, at least, and independent voters for the most part, uh, this is a much more salient issue because people are seeing the effects of climate change, but that passion, the 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 uh, moral dimension, the youth organizing uh, has been you know astounding, and I think it's really changed things here and it's changing things around the world. And and that solidarity I talked about that we need in the United States, we need that same kind of solidarity globally. No, I'm, I'm glad you said that, and we, I'm glad you gave a give a shout out. I think young people hopefully will appreciate that, and um, they definitely they definitely have risen the bar um, tremendously. I think they they have to because they are not only dealing with equality; they are dealing yeah. with existence. 
So they know if this doesn't get right, as we have seen, many of them are, you know, have gone from demonstration, legislation, to even litigation. They even, they're even suing on behalf of life, liberty, yeah. and pursuit of happiness. So I'm glad you brought that up. I appreciate that, that, that from an old know, man. That, <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. And I'm, and I'm sure, I'm sure many, many, but the thing for them is that now that that's the case, though, will that be reflective in the Biden administration? Do you think that would be reflective? I hope so. I mean, I, I, I think he, it would be a mistake not to reflect it. I mean, they, you know, he uh, focused on the fact that uh, African-Americans and African-American women in particular brought him to the dance. And, uh, but a lot of young people brought him to the dance too. I think that he, uh, you know, in overall, um, we had, uh, we, I saw an increase in turnout, uh, of about 4% in uh, overall, uh, but amongst 18 to 29 year olds by about 9%. And I think that when you see that, you know, he had margins in Wisconsin. You know, I was chair of Hillary's campaign. We lost by 20,000 votes. He won by 20,000 votes. In Pennsylvania, we lost by 45,000 votes. He's ahead by 55,000 votes. These are kind of pretty small margins in most places. Uh, we brought Georgia back from, you know, as I said, since 1992, from a lot of, a lot of energy across the board, but I think a lot of uh, energy for from young people. And I think that doesn't need to just be reflected in policy. It re- needs to be reflected in, in who's working in the administration. Are they given responsibility? Uh, is he bringing people uh, into, into government? And uh, I think that, I hope his cabinet, you know, reflects that and his White House staff reflects that. I think, you know, uh, the White House staff tends to kind of look a lot like what happened in the campaign, but I think he's got to go even beyond that, you know, kind of inner core who's been with him for a long time and bring some, bring some new people and, and uh, bring some excitement into the White House itself. No, I agree. Well, we, we hope, I can't, we hope and pray. And demand. If that's the case. <laughs> and demand. No, we, well, we definitely going to do that. Uh, speaking of that, since you're outside, you know, we talk about the, the climate movement. Let's also talk about outside that, He's, you mentioned these close races. Um, 71 million voted for Donald Trump. Um, how would that impact how Biden moves forward with strong climate legislation? Well, look, I don't, we got 30 years to go from where we are today, which is a, you know, a, an energy system that's still built on fossil fuels, to net zero, which is, like I said, uh, uh, essentially, you're taking as much carbon dioxide out of the atmosphere uh, in, um, in through natural solutions and maybe through uh, uh, direct air capture and, and, and sequestration. That is big. And we don't have time for people to catch up and learn the science. We need everybody in right now. And so what does that mean? I think Biden has a social project, which is to try to bring the country together, stop the politics of hate and division that Trump so successfully exploited. Uh, and that's, and, and he's tried to do that. And when, when both he and Vice President-elect Harris on Saturday night after the race was called, 
both said, like, if you voted for us or if you didn't vote for us, you're Americans, we're going to fight for you. I believe in that. I, I think that's the right thing to do. And he's got to try to bring the country together. But he can't wait for the congressional Republicans to catch up. If they want to come, great. Mm-hmm. If they if they want to be massive resistors in the pockets of the fossil fuel industry, then just drive around them and make progress. And so uh, I think he'll have some Republican governors. He'll have some Republican mayors out there, certainly some business people who think of themselves as Republicans who want to get on with the task. Uh, but I think if, if, if what we have to settle for is what Mitch McConnell and his brand of Republicans in the Senate will agree to, that ain't going to get the job done. So, um, you know, that it, it is, that's, that's, I think, where it's at. And I think that he just has to use all the power he has, all the tools he has, the bully pulpit that he has, the convening power that he has to bring in the private sector, to bring in um, the, uh, you know, uh, civic organizations, non-governmental organizations, religious organizations to say, we, we have got to have, you know, we, we need a healthier society, but we also have to make progress or the society is going to fall apart because the natural world is going to fall apart right, right around us. No, I agree. You know, um, uh, President-elect Biden will elevate and he said he will reestablish the White House Environmental Justice Advisory Council and the White House Environmental Justice uh, Interagency Council, both reporting directly to the chair of CEQ, who reports directly to the president. Um, they will be charged with revising um, and revisiting um, with Executive Order 12898. Um, what needs to be revised to be to so what needs to be revised to meet uh, today's movement and also concern. Yeah, I will look. I'm that's an executive order that President Clinton signed. I'm proud of him for doing it. It was the first time a president took seriously the environmental challenge, uh, the environmental justice challenge seriously. Uh, he pushed, uh, and when I was chief of staff, we I pushed. The agencies of government, particularly the APA, work, uh, the EPA, working with Carol Browner, who you know, Reverend, very well, uh, to really take well, to definitely. take this seriously. But to, but the challenges have changed, and the times have changed, and so it needs to be updated. Back then, I think the focus uh, really was uh, a lot of it was on toxics, air pollution, uh, clean water. Uh, uh, lead and uh, those are still all concerns, and we got we got to tackle them. But I think now the effect of uh, what we've done to the planet with respect to climate has to be brought into that whole conversation, and we've got to be doing things that address the climate crisis in ways that the uh, cumulative impacts of all those other pollutants are taken into account and we do it together. And we're smart about um, uh, how we're going to ensure that even as we're looking to reduce CO2 emissions, we're also taking down uh, and attending to the other kinds of pollution that are affecting frontline and fence line communities. 
And uh, so, you know, again, the, 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 the environmental challenges are different today. It ought to reflect that. And I think the people who are coming, the activists who, are, who ought to be part of the dialogue, who ought to be at the table, uh, working with the federal agencies, um, are, are a different generation. And we need to listen to the elders, but we need to listen to these, these uh, younger activists as well. Um, so, um, uh, you know, we just, the, I, I hope that when they get around to, to doing the, uh, you know, building out those entities in the CEQ, that they listen a lot in advance. I know they've already done that. And, and, and Biden actually, I have to say, was very good about engaging with people. It was on Zoom. It wasn't, you know, it wasn't in person, but they engaged uh, with a lot of uh, leaders across the country. Uh, and, uh, but they got to keep listening so that the structure uh, is really listening to the communities affected so that the policies uh, aren't coming from Washington, but they're built in collaboration with, with the affected communities. I think if you think about uh, what happened in the, in the best cases after Katrina and after Superstorm Sandy, it was when the federal government listened to not just state and local government, but with the community leaders in thinking about, that's where the term Build Back Better came from, <laughs> you know, uh, that, mm. that Biden used, I think, effectively in this campaign in terms of building back an economy better. But the first time it got used was um, really after Superstorm Sandy, when, um, you know, yeah. uh, led by the task force led by Sean Donovan, who was then the HUD secretary, went into the community and said, we're, we're, we're not going to tell you what we think you should do. We're going to listen to you and we're going to, uh, you know, involve you both in the creation of a better economy, but also the creation of a better ecology and environment. Hmm. No, I, I, listen, I, I'm, I, I like how you're reinforcing listening to and engaging young people. I think that's very powerful and phenomenal advice. I also like how you mentioned my, my dear friend, Carol Browner. We both sit on the board together at uh, the League of Conservation Voters. She's our board chair over there, doing a great job. You might know, I don't know if you know this. You know, when I had Carol on the show, she was, she was cutting up some Jay-Z <laughs> lyrics, you know. Uh, <laughs> she didn't get that from her husband, Tom Downey, I'll tell you. <laughs> 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 oh man, that's funny. Speaking of Carol, we all know Carol was also EPA administrator. So uh, the EPA, unfortunately, under um, under Trump, became more of uh, the Environmental Polluters Agency instead of the Environmental Protection Agency. Um, so, uh, but you know, when I think about Browner, when I think about Lisa oh, yeah. Jackson. Yeah, do lobbyists for the coal industry. And then, I, <laughs> then you go into Pruitt and Wheeler. It's, a, it's, it's, it's It seems outrageous. Yep. But, but what are your thoughts about EPA? EPA turns 50 in a few days here, coming in December. Uh, what are your thoughts about EPA at 50? And, you know, well, I'm happy think, Billy's named uh, after Bill Clinton. Ideas That's of who right. you think should be running that. <laughs> I think that... I think that uh, because he really cared about that. I think he cared about it because 
you know, he grew up in a state that had a real legacy of, uh, of uh, deep injustice and pollution. Um, and uh, I think that there are some good, really good people that they can put in there, uh, but it plays an essential function uh, in uh, protecting the air and the water uh, and tackling this question of climate change across a whole range of pollutants. You mentioned methane. It's not just CO2, it's methane. It's uh, the, what people refer to as F gases, the hydrofluorocarbons, super polluters, polluting gases that are used in refrigeration. We need to move those to safer chemicals. Um, and, uh, uh, and, and they, they have the traditional role that they play to make sure that we have safe drinking water, uh, and, uh, and are reducing, you know, mercury and the other, uh, uh, criteria pollutants. Um, and they have a lot of, they have a lot of, uh, authority, uh, and they have a lot of authority to enforce the law too. We don't think about it, you know, we think about them as a regulating agency, as a, you know, as a, an agency that creates regulations, but they have a lot of power to enforce the law, to go after people who are breaking the law. And, uh, I hope they, uh, I know that's been slaughtered under Trump, but I hope both the Justice Department, um, in the Environment Division, and the criminal enforcement of the environment, my environment division. That's actually where I started my legal career. When I finished law school, I went, it used to be called the Land and Natural Resources Division. They changed the name to the Environment Division. Uh, but, but when I first left law school, I was a litigator there. And, uh, but they need to get, the, they need to work in harness to make sure that, that the impunity that we've seen coming from this administration to, with respect to polluters, uh, ends, and that uh, if people are doing bad things in their communities, they get they get uh, brought to the bar of justice. Um, and I think they've got some opportunity to put uh, again some uh, great leaders, maybe some younger leaders. Uh, I, I think the person who probably tops the list is someone with a lot of experience, not not you know. Uh, uh, you would, uh, I, I don't think she'd mind me saying this, probably not a next generation figure, uh, uh, but Mary Nichols, who's been such an effective uh, regulator uh, at the California Air Resources Board uh, in California. She's got a you know, long, long uh, 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 you know, experience in, in doing that. Maybe I'm sure she's uh, high on the list, but there are other uh, people that I know like uh, Heather McTeer, uh, Tony, you 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 must know Reverend from uh, who run, was the mayor of Greenville, uh, was the uh, EPA administrator in Region yeah, Four, I think Region Four, I think in yeah. Atlanta, the, the Southeast yeah. Region, and uh, runs Mom's Mom's Clean Air Force. Uh, Ali mm-hmm. Zaidi, um, who um, uh, is really mm-hmm. been instrumental in putting Biden's uh, and the Biden Harris climate program together. Yeah, well, Ali, you know, he's so young. He was my lost. Well, he's a folks yeah, yeah, on the show too. So he's, and he went, but he worked. He, he worked it, and he all this go in, this. in the Obama White House. He now runs uh, the Climate and Energy uh, <laughs> Office for Governor Cuomo in New York. Um, uh, and that and and uh, you know Heather and Ali are next generation. You know they could be tremendous leaders. Uh, and uh, you know. Uh, 
both uh, diverse candidates. So I, I, you know, I think they got a lot of good people that they can pick from. There's a lot of talent uh, in the movement, in the, in, you know, in the, in the party really, and in the, in, in the subject matter space. So he's just got to go out and grab it. Cause I think people are ready to, to work for him. No, I, I appreciate you saying and bringing in that list and, Folks, you named two of them have this with this been on the show recently, so folks can go back and hear them speak for themselves. But um, no, thank you for that. Now I just got two more questions for you, actually. Um, you kind of touched on it a little bit. Um, well, actually, before I get to that, let me ask you a question. What, what knowing what you know now and your work you've done from from Clinton to Obama. Um, out and then obviously with the yeah, well, I'm both hopeful um, and not cynical, which is amazing because I've been doing this for more than 50 years. <laughs> and you think like I've been punched in the head enough, I ought to fall down at some point. <laughs> but uh, I am hopeful because I think the uh, people are they're 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 getting it and the ability to innovate the the uh, the passion that uh, particularly young people have to make the world a better place continues. You know, I, 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 you know, grew up during the civil rights movement and the, and the anti-war movement and got involved in politics because I didn't like the leadership in the country at the time and want to see a change. And so I think I still remember <laughs> what it's like to be pat, to be young, to be passionate, to want to make change happen, uh, and to and to want to uh, see both uh, not just in politics but across the society, want to see leadership of people, whether that's in the in the private sector, in the public sector, across you know very uh, wide range of dimensions, see people want to build a a stronger, better uh, society. And I, I feel that every day. Um, and, you know, I have uh, grandchildren who are in high school. I see it in them uh, and I see it in their friends and they, uh, I see it in the people we work with. One of the things um, that I uh, am, you know, I haven't run uh, Center for American Progress in a long time. Nira Tannen, who's been a tremendous CEO, has run it for for almost 10 years, almost as long as I ran it. Uh, but I think one of the things that we started with and we continue with is that is a place full, filled with young activists. Our alumni has a tremendous group of people who have gone on to do really great things, but the, the institution itself is just filled with young people who are burning to make change happen and to, and to uh, get back to our earlier part of a con- our conversation build a more just society. And so, you know, I think they can handle it, but it's going to take a lot of work. And and the status quo never yields easily. You have to fight for it. You know, there's uh, you know, the the uh the people paying Trump to do what Trump was doing are, are you know, hmm. they they made a lot of money <laughs> off the status quo and they're not going to give that away uh, easily, they're going to have to be either convinced or beaten. And so it's a big challenge, but I think 
if you if you look across the globe, you see you know people really putting their shoulder to the wheel. So I am optimistic. No, thank you for that. I guess my last question kind of goes to um, a large part of the audience we, we target at the Hip Hop Caucus, which is young uh, black people and brown people. Um, and I guess this 2020 has been, you know, some years bring questions and some years bring answers. And obviously 2020 brought both questions and answers. It's been a yeah. tough year. We've lost everybody from Congressman John Lewis to even Black Panther. It's been, it's been, been you know, black and brown and, and didn't you go have been devastated by COVID-19. Um, and, you know, it's hard for us to see black people dying because of police brutality. It's, it's hard to see poverty and, you know, being the last hide and first fire. So, you know, and despite that, they got out there, overcame voter suppression, Polling, polling places being moved, rain in Georgia, hot sun in Arizona, wind in Philadelphia, on the heels of everything and voting um, to get rid of a president who was aligning himself with dog whistles regarding white supremacy. So I guess if you can say something in this new horizon, their biggest fear is that they did all that and they won't matter. That the issues of poverty and pollution, the pandemic, um, you know, all those things will just be, they'll be right back here and during the midterms, folks saying, get out and vote, but they won't see it. So somebody who's been at the highest you know, levels of power, Reverend, I, speak to uh, those people, those citizens those who simply want life, and, uh, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Uh, I had the privilege of working with John Lewis in the Carter administration before he got involved in politics, but obviously after he was a hero of the civil rights movement. And uh, he inspired me then and he inspired me to the day he stood in Black Lives Matter Plaza. Um, and all I can say is, um, I think people's reflected on what is wrong with the society. Now we all got to work to make sure what's right that can be the future. And that um, uh, that is a hard road, but one that we all need to go down together. And I think for the leaders who make big promises, there should be big expectations. Uh, and I think if you really, even if you reflect on where President-elect Biden is and where he was, where he came from, I think he learned a lot this year. And I think that he's a good man. Senator Harris is an amazing woman. I think together as a team, uh, they need to deliver. We need to build power. We need hope. We need to build uh, not just growth in this society, but we need to build uh, 
more justice and a more and and people need to feel like they count. And uh, so, if they don't deliver on that, <laughs> they won't be around for long. <laughs> but but I think I think it's now in their heart, and I think they're going to go fight for it. And I think we got to stand shoulder to shoulder and help them. And I I think that um, for the young people who 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 really organized, who went out, I mean, look, uh, we're talking about Georgia and, and, you know, if Stacey Abrams hadn't gone and registered 800,000 people in 2018, then a Democrat would not have won Georgia in 2020. And so that matters, but, you know, it, if, if you're, if you're lucky enough, uh, to pursue power and you get it, then make sure you know that you can deliver on it and get out there and fight for it. So I think you're going to do it. I'm going to do it. And I think all your listeners, hopefully will again, will stand in solidarity and try to get it done. Thank you, John. Like what you heard on this episode? Make sure you subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Follow us at Think 100 Climate and at Hip Hop Caucus on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Visit thecoolestshow.com where you can take action for climate justice right now. You can also learn more about this podcast and donate to Think 100% which is a non-profit project. Thank you for listening and all power to the people. Think 100, think 100, think 100, think 100.